Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in the heart of Silicon Beach. Please be seated. We've got a great show for you today. And um, we have what, another guest, uh, one of our second in just a couple of shows from San Diego. And they're going to be talking. She is Eva Velasquez, and she is the president and CEO of the Identity Theft Resource Center. And we're going to learn all about that during this show and just what a great resource it is for those who, um, one, who may have been victimized of, of identity theft. And also ways that you can learn about the problem and, and protect and prevent yourself from being a victim. Uh, we have background on uh, Eva on our blog, um, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com as usual. And you can um, have make, make any comments you want on our Twitter account, which is cyberlawradio. So Eva, are you with us? I am. Good morning or good afternoon, depending on where you're at. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you. Yeah, we have a scheduled an interview later this week with New Zealand, and so that's going to be confusing. Who knows what? We're not sure what day we'll, we'll be talking during the same day. But at least we're both local. Uh, it's good morning here in California, and uh, so we're thrilled to have you. It, this, it, the Identity Theft Resource Center is just a, a fascinating organization, and your website just—it is a goldmine of information. Tell us how the organization got founded. Back in 1999, the original founders of the Identity Theft Resource Center was a husband and wife. Um, the wife was victimized by her employer. And you have to realize this was at a time when really we didn't have the coin the phrase identity theft. Nobody really knew what it was. Right. She had such tremendous difficulty proving her innocence and did it all herself that she felt that she had to develop a resource for people who were victims the organization started with just her and her husband out of her garage with a phone line, and it is now, um, we're a national organization. We help 11,000 victims via our, just our phone line every year, about uh, close to 800,000 on the website, so it's grown tremendously since then. And how did, how did she resolve her problem? It took many years. And it was, it was just um, it, trial by fire. She just kept communicating with all of the entities involved. And that's how the organization um, morphed into this. We need to give letter templates and step-by-step -step guides and instructions. And we also need to have a voice on the other end of the phone that is uh, talking people, uh, talking them off the ledge, if you will, because it's such a traumatic event 
for many people. They just want to hear that they're going to be okay and that they, they will get through it and that someone can hold their hand and guide them through that. So she did eventually get her issue resolved many years later and became a champion. Uh, They retired, both the husband and wife retired about five years ago. Unfortunately, the husband has since um, passed away, but they've left an amazing legacy. And people maybe don't fully appreciate the enormity of the issue, but I'm, I'm sure we all know someone who has been a victim of identity theft. Uh, I, I myself have, and I don't know, Brasco, I don't know if you have, but it, we, so many people have that I think the awareness of the issue is getting greater and greater. I, I would agree with you. It's massive in scope, and um, I don't think anyone doesn't know a victim of identity theft at this point because all of the statistics that we have uh, indicate that it's between uh, 15 to 17 million victims every year. That's not over time since we've been measuring this crime. That's on an annual basis. That's 7% of the U.S. population every single year. And it's, it's also not just affecting the individual victim. We've done a great deal of research into the effects, the lost opportunity costs and those things. So it's really affecting families, communities, and our country. It, it is. I mean, because it causes serious, serious disruption, and you know, getting. And as you said, you know, the, your founder, the, the amount of time she had to invest in getting down to the bottom of it, um, reopening, closing accounts, lost money, um, allocating that loss. Uh, I, I just we had our um, someone stole mail from our mailbox and and washed some checks, and and just for, fortunately for us, it was just one check. But we had to go through, you know, this all all the procedure and close accounts, open accounts, all because someone was able to get a hold of and, and wash one check. You know, unfortunately, it remains one of the few crimes out there where the resolution is squarely on the shoulders of the victim. Um, cleaning up your identity. It's your job to do that. And and most of the time when you're a victim of any other crime, you have a lot more support in the the resolution piece. And again, that's why the Identity Theft Resource Center exists now is to try and make that process easier and less time-consuming. Um, unfortunately, it has gone down for some people, and there are some forms of identity theft that are easier to remediate than others. But we talk to people, we build relationships with them here where um, they go still go through several years depending on the persistence of their thief and the complexity of their case. Wow. Now, your site does a good job, I think, at um, – addressing the issue head on of, as to the, the, the most important question is, are you at risk? And I think it, you know, identity theft, like many crimes, it's, it, it, it happens to other people. It won't happen to me. Why should I worry? And so what are some of the, if, if for people are listening at home, what are some of the things that they should be thinking about and, and help them realize that they really may be at risk? What are some of the factors? You know, I think overall what we need to do is is elevate the appreciation of the value of our identity. Um, we, we look at our, our financial accounts and our cash, maybe our heirloom jewelry, our home. These are tangible things that we say, this is valuable and I need to protect it and treat it as such. Even our physical health, this is valuable. I'm going to eat right, you know, brush my teeth, exercise. And our identity has become a component of our everyday life, and we create more and more um, pieces that comprise that identity, and we aren't valuing it as such. We don't really practice good identity hygiene. We don't necessarily think, oh, this is something I need to protect and take some responsibility over. So that's the, the big, you know, message to folks is, I don't care if you have a low credit score, if you're not a high net worth individual, your identity is still extremely, extremely valuable to thieves, and they can monetize it in uh, so many creative ways. So treat it like the valuable that it is. Now, you, you stress that people don't value their identity enough. Are you, are, is there any deviation among either age groups or um, any other demographic 
You know, there really isn't. And, and if we look at the Bureau of Justice Statistics, that's a, a national government body that looks at crime victimization rates, and they do an identity theft survey every two years. The, the newest one should be coming out within the next month or so. Um, it's spread across the board. So it's not about your age, your uh, gender, or your income. It's really about how you engage in the outside world. That's where you create those vulnerabilities for yourself. So someone who's extremely active online, um, it uses their debit card to make purchases at sketchy websites, is obviously going to be more at risk than someone who's trying to pay more attention to that. Um, you know, senior citizens are at risk not because of their age, but because of how they're interacting with the world. Um, maybe it's someone who's in assisted living, it's dependent on others for their care. That means that their information, their identity information is probably being shared among multiple parties, so that creates a vulnerability for them. Um, conversely, someone who is enjoying their retirement, uh, has um, built up some financial security and has, uh, you know, money in the bank, maybe traveling, not necessarily paying attention to managing that, that creates a separate set of vulnerabilities for them. Now, what is interesting, I'm looking at your ITRC Fact Sheet 101, Are You at Risk for Identity Theft? And one of the first items, and actually one of the highest points gained you gain points for having good practices and you lose points for certain risky practices. But the highest points you can score on any single question is, I own a crosscut shredder, shredder and use it regularly. It's still very, very important. And I, I think some people think, well, this is done. The days of mail theft, the days of dumpster diving are done. And, and certainly the scale of information compromises by hacking and online is larger, but the effect to the individual victim of having paper breaches or paper compromises of their information, it's the same on the victim. Right. In fact, you were talking about having your mail stolen, and we were just dealing with um, a victim, a family, who had their mail stolen and diverted over Christmas time. So not only did the thief get their mail and was able to open new financial accounts in their name, but they diverted all of the Christmas presents that were being sent to the family and all of the presents that they ordered wow. for them to send to their family members. It was a huge haul for this thief in this one act of stealing mail. So the, the paper documents that we put our information on and then just throw out there into the world, they are very valuable. So we, you need to get a shredder and shred those or take them to a shredding event. They're all over the country. Uh, the Better Business Bureau has two shred days a year. It's a trusted entity that will let you shred your documents for free. It's certainly a manageable step that people can take, and it's easy to execute. Should you get worried when you show up at the BBB and you see the mayor and the city council? and? <laughs> <laughs> No, you should <laughs> applaud them and say it's great. Hopefully, it's their personal files that they're um, deleting. Now, what <laughs> what one thing one thing you, you stress in um, the the identity theft and you know, kind of things to do is monitoring your credit information because that's that's a warning sign. You start seeing something irregular in your bank account or there's something wrong on your credit statement. Um, that's that's a, a sure sign. It is an it's a it's a huge red flag. It's one of the best ways that you can practice um, quick detection, um, and it's one of the things that people are least likely to do. Um, I wish that I heard from people in the call center who said, "Hey, I was um, reviewing my credit reports every four months, like I normally do, and I saw this weird thing on here. Can you help me?" And and that's not really how people are finding out about it. Right. But it is a great way to practice early detection. And there are many studies out there that demonstrate that early detection will uh, help you to resolve the issue faster. The longer it goes on, the harder it is to remediate. Now, there's been a huge spike in data breaches and throughout the country. And I mean, particularly, that we've seen a, a large growth in the medical field, and we, we've talked about that on this show just because medical data is very rich for identity thieves because it has you know, not only financial information but a lot of personal information, um, even you know, personal characteristics, so it's, it's easy, easy to use for identity theft. And um, I guess 
are, are you seeing a, a concurrent um, spike in identity theft in the medical area? Well, what's interesting is that you have to realize that even though we silo our information into these categories, that's my medical information. This is right. my financial information. This is my tax information. The thieves don't. So when they're stealing that information, hacking into these portals, they don't say, hey, I, I stole this from a medical facility, therefore I can only commit medical identity theft with it. Right. So we're not seeing a huge spike in the growth of medical identity theft within our call center. What we have seen is a huge spike in the growth of government, uh, particularly in the form of uh, false tax returns, because you have to realize that much of the information that's in your medical files, that, that paints a really nice picture for the thieves to be able to file that false tax return and try to defeat the analytics that the IRS and many of the states have put into place. The better we get at uh, fraud detection within these major institutions, the more real information the thieves need about you. And so they are going to sources that are rich in that information, and that, does, that certainly includes um, medical breaches, but it also includes the information that you put out there yourself. And, you know, since this is a live show and we're, you know, beginning of April, um, and there may be some people who haven't submitted their tax returns. Um, let's just make clear that having an identity thief submit your tax returns for you is is not a good thing. You know, so for you listening and thinking, gee, I'll just I'll just wait this out and see if the thieves take care of it. Not a good idea. No, it is not. It's one of our tips: is file first and beat the beat the crooks, because you have to realize they are they are making up. They're using those true components of your identity to say, authenticate and say, I am you. But right. they are making up all of the other numbers so that they can get a nice, big, fat refund. And um, while you may not be expecting a refund or be relying on that money, it still creates um, a lot of uh, steps that you have to go through in order to resolve the issue and, and be able to actually file your legitimate taxes. I know it's no fun for anybody, but it's also a, a trigger for you to understand that your information has not only been compromised, but now it's actively being used, and you need to look at other areas of your life and make sure it's not being used elsewhere. That's, you know, that's very important. And you know, obviously, the government, that areas where they know information is coming, Christmas time, tax time, um, those, are, those are times to be very vigilant, it would seem. Well, we promote being vigilant all year long. If you practice those, you know, good identity hygiene all year long, you, you'll detect it faster. Um, it becomes a habit. But certainly the thieves are looking for those prime times when either you're distracted and busy. Um, you know, in the case of tax time, it's that you actually are pulling together all of those documents. And um, you may be leaving them out in the mail and doing things like that. But for them, it's simply that it's time to file. It's open for business. The IRS is open for business. Go file your, your false tax return, and they will do them quickly. Now, a quick question before we take a break. Business is growing, I'm assuming. You know, as we have more and more breaches, are you, is that, are you seeing this results in more and more uh, identity theft occurrences? Every year, it's growing, and it's not, and it's not small numbers. Um, you know, it went from Javelin Research does an identity theft study on the scope, and it went from 13.1 million by their assessment to 15.4 million. Uh, with the BJS, they're doing it every two years, and it grew by a million and a half occurrences over two years. So the numbers don't mirror each other exactly, but when you start looking and seeing that the incidents are growing by millions of new victims in short periods of time, we're on this, this hockey stick trajectory to keep growing. Wow. It's lucrative. Oh, on that note, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about other who else is being targeted and when, how you can protect yourself after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report only on Cranberry.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. How much are your best ideas worth? 
PriorThings.com gives you an added layer of protection for all of your intellectual property, ideas, and creative things. New business idea, pitch deck, PowerPoint presentation, song lyrics, source code, killer blog posts. We help you protect it all. How do we do it? We use the same technology platform that secures transactions for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Learn more at PriorThings.com. Check out exclusive listener pricing for Cranberry Radio listeners by going to bit.ly slash Founders Circle. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Synergize your search engine education from 101 to rock star level. Only on Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Here is Bennett Kelly. And we're back with Eva Velasquez, and we are talking about the Identity Theft Resource Center and how you can protect yourself from identity theft. And so we've talked a little bit so far, Eva, about you know the, the growth of identity theft and some of the red flags. What are some steps that people can and should be taking to protect themselves? Well, we have, there are a couple of things, and it really depends on, um, again, how you're engaging in the outside world. But our top five, we tell people to remember the acronym SHRED. So obviously SHRED, shred your documents. It's an easy step and um, very actionable. The S stands for strengthen your passwords and privacy settings. The H stands for handle your personally identifying information with care. The R stands for read your credit reports annually. The E stands for empty your purse or wallet. And the D stands for discuss these tips with family and friends. And we can dig a little deeper into each one of those if you'd like to. Sure. Um, Let's start with the S. So strengthening your passwords and privacy settings, we still are looking at folks using the same passwords over and over and using easy passwords. And I understand we kind of have fatigue in this area, and it's so hard to manage them. But there are a number of different ways that you can do it. You can use sort of mnemonic devices. There are password managers if you want to go that route. But when you use the same password for your you know, magazine subscription or your online subscription to read something, as well as your bank account and your credit card statement and maybe even your MySSA account or your health portal, what you're doing is, is if a thief is able to break in and get that one key, you've just given them the key. It's a master key to everything, and they can unlock everything. So don't make it easy for them. Use more complicated passwords that can't be broken. There, there are programs out there that can go through every word in the dictionary in, you know, like under a second. So it is up to us to take a little responsibility there. And then if you're active online on social media and those types of accounts, you have some control over your privacy settings, who you're sharing that with. Is it, is it just your close friends? Is it friends of friends? Is it the whole world? And, and we would really caution people to stop sharing um, oversharing and sharing information with anybody that wants to look it up. Uh, aside from the identity theft ramifications that are there and that exist, you can also cause yourself some reputational damage. So that's just a really important thing um, to do uh, just to keep your life easier as well as reduce your risk of identity theft. And you know, you, you see time and time again, even companies where there's hacks or, you know, so, um, social engineering and they're able to get passwords and they either they're using basic passwords like you know new user password or they have saved on their desktop a you know, excel sheet that says guess what passwords 
<laughs> oh yeah, all of my passwords right here for you yeah. to um, break into. And 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 to be sure, um, you know, I've talked to some people, particularly some seniors in the senior community, who have said, "Well, I have to write them down." And while that's not a best practice, the reality is that for some folks, they they simply can't remember them all. Maybe they don't rise to the level of needing a password manager. But if you're going to write them down, rock it old school. Put it on a piece of paper, not on your phone, not on your laptop or your mobile device or your desktop. Put it on a piece of paper and put it in a secure location, in a locked drawer, and, you know, label it something like grandma's cake recipe or, you know, kids' photos. Don't label it passwords. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's true that your home could be broken into and that list could be accessed and gained. But that's a much, much, much smaller risk than if you're p- posting it somewhere online or putting it in some kind of digital format for you to access. So, okay, um, did the, um, the S with CH. And that's handle your personally identifying information with care. And I touched on that before about elevating the appreciation of it. But um, there was a study by FOSI, the Family Online Safety Institute, that indicated that 2%, now this is a small percentage, but 2% of teens had posted their social security number on their social media account. How? How, I mean, I'm just, it's unfathomable to me. Why would you do that? Is there, unless you're on the, you know, (laughs) datingstupid.com. How did that, it's it's hard for me to believe people would do that. Well, and where it goes to, though, is that they didn't realize how valuable and important that was. And I I have, I have three children. Thankfully, they are all adults. And um, my youngest is going to be 20 in a couple of weeks. But when he and his friend got their first jobs, in the state of California, you need a a work permit, Um, and it has to be filled out by the school and the employer, and there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through. And my rule on social media when my kids were on it was that they could be on it as long as they friended me and I could see what they were putting on it. Mm -hmm. So I saw a picture of one of my son's best friends standing there proudly holding his work permit saying, you know, we got it. And I quickly went down the street to his friend's house to say, well, this is not a good idea because it had their student ID, their social security number, their address, their date of birth, their school they went to, treasure trove of information. And I thought, you know, he just didn't know. So I went over to the parent's house and said, I just, I have to tell you guys something, um, you know, really important not to share that. You need to have a conversation with him. It's, um, there's all this critical information on it. And the dad just sort of hung his head and said, oh my God, Eva, I took the picture. Oh, no. Wow. They were in this moment of being so proud and wanting to share that that they didn't think about the ramifications of it. So that's just one way that that can happen. You're not appreciating how valuable that is, so you don't think about it. One thing I saw in your site was about parents having the talk. And it's it's not the talk we're thinking about, but you know, in essence, it is in some ways. It is just as important that you know, at some point parents have to discuss online safety with their kids. Oh, absolutely. Aside from the 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 physical um, safety issues with you know cyber stalkers and all the creeps that are out there, they also there are also people out there that want to get. Uh, information on your kids so they can steal their identity theft or steal their identity and child identity theft is a real thing we hear from people it happens it can uh, have huge long-term repercussions and most of the time you don't find out until that child is trying to launch and move forward in their life maybe they're trying to get their driver's license maybe they're applying for student loans Um, but it's that is happening to children and now, with the culture that we have, it, it has to be almost part of our value system in our families, and we mm-hmm. need to have those conversations. There are some great tools out there that help facilitate those as well, and we have them listed on our website. That, that's important because I can sympathize with you know, today's parents because they never got that talk because you know we hadn't come to that age yet, or at least we didn't believe we had. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for example, I, I was a, people often ask, how did I get into internet law? You know, what did, what did you do in law school? And I explained mm-hmm. to them that the first website 
was launched after I got out of law school. So, you know, I, I was predates all, all this stuff. So we weren't talking about that back then. Um, but clearly now that's something that's an important part of how you know, the, the emotional safety of your child. It, it truly is. It truly is. I mean, think of it as just as important as teaching them to look both ways when they cross the street, telling them to brush their teeth every night. They need to understand that they don't know who's on the other line, end of that connection when they're engaging online. All right. So what's the next tip? Read your credit reports regularly. There is, And there's no excuse for not doing so. And the cost of your credit report is? Is free. Yes. You can get that. By law, you are entitled to one free copy of your credit report from each of the bureaus on an annual basis. And if you rotate that and hit one of them every four months, you can do this in perpetuity. And once you get good at reading them, it really doesn't take very much time because all you're looking for is, do I recognize that account? Is that something that I'm, that I'm using? And you're looking for anomalies, things that you didn't know sh- were there and shouldn't be there. And you think about the the scandal at Wells Fargo. Uh, granted, what happened is is a, is awful, and you know they should be punished. But had consumers been reading their credit report, this would have been detected much earlier. Well, and and I think it may have been the impetus for the detection was that people started complaining and saying, uh, you know, what is this? Why is that there? I didn't open that account because. People are going to be looking at their credit statements when they're trying to do things, trying to get maybe refinance a home, purchase a car, um, apply for a credit card, and then they get told, hey, there's something here. Um, you have too many accounts open. Um, you, you won't qualify for this interest rate. So those were the folks that were figuring out that there was something anomalous there and then tracing it back. And so we have SHR and what's E? E, this sounds really basic, but we hear from people all the time. Empty your purse or wallet. Um, whenever I go out into community groups and go and speak to them, I inevitably will get, the number has dwindled, thankfully, but I always get one person that says, yeah, I have my social security card in my wallet. Wow. I don't uh, need to carry that with you. Was there, I think I, I do recall a point years ago when I knew a lot of people who did that. That's been part of the problem is that we've had to shift our thinking. You know, our social security number is being used in a way that it wasn't originally designed for. Correct. And, you know, we did used to carry, it was our second form of ID. We did used to carry it in our wallet. I remember those days as well. That was just kind of what you did. We used it as ID numbers for, look at the military, used to have it printed on the rucksacks of, you know, all mm-hmm. the enlisted guys on their way to boot camp. It was their military ID as well. So we have had, a, had to have a shift in our thinking. Um, younger people tend to realize that, that it's, one, it's not necessary for them to carry it around. They don't use it on a regular basis, but they're kind of getting it. When I talk with older people, they still haven't made that switch yet. No, okay, D. Discuss these tips with friends. If we make this part of our national conversation and start having these conversations, we, we can do a lot more than if we just keep the information siloed and to ourselves. So, you know, the listeners here are learning all of this great information. They're learning that they have easy, manageable ways to handle this problem and resources to do it. But if you don't share it with your family and friends, guess what? They could be victimized, and it, it does affect all of us. Every single victim is affecting all of our communities, families, friends. Um, it, it has these far-reaching national consequences. Have, have you ever been a victim? I have. So that I have. Just a statistical note. So on this call are yourself, myself, and our producer, um, Brasco, who himself also has been a victim. So what is that, you know, we have three people and all of us have at one point been victims. And so for those listening, you ask your friends. You, you'd be surprised at the number of people who have been victimized. And uh, so what happened in your case? For me, I was fortunate. It's, it has happened a couple of times to me. I, it was existing account takeover. 
So I had some of my financial accounts compromised and used without my permission. That is one of the easier forms to remediate. So in a way, I feel very lucky that I haven't um, suffered uh, uh, the other types where it's very difficult to remediate. Um, the you know things like having the new accounts opened in your name, uh, the tax identity theft, those are much harder. I've also I know that my information is out there. I have received four data breach notification letters in the last couple of years. So I know that it's just sitting there waiting, and I don't think it's a question of if, it's a question of when. So I'm, I'm pretty vigilant myself, not only because I know all of the, these, this information and because I'm talking with victims every day, but I also know that my information has been compromised in a, in a number of ways, very sensitive information. And so I need to keep an ever-watchful eye. And if, if you have been a victim of identity theft, what should you do? Excuse me, I'm sorry. Well, I'm, let me rephrase that. If you, I mean, if you get that notification letter, what do you okay, do? Okay, so that is a very particular circumstance, a data breach notification letter. And we need to, first thing you need to do is really make sure you understand what information has been compromised because your activities will be very different. Now, if you're practicing good identity hygiene, you're what you do is really not going to change pre or post breach notification. You're going to continue practicing those, you know, those that good hygiene. But if you're not and you get a data breach notification letter, if it's your payment card information, that is much a much uh, less difficult fix because it's one account that once you close it, it doesn't open any other doors for thieves. If it's your email account, um, you need to act very quickly because that can have a, you know, like email account and password. That can have all kinds of information about you that a thief could access. You need to change that password right away and make it a complex password, which you should be doing on a regular basis anyway. Now, and then if it's your social security number, that's a different, even a, a different prospect. Now, the um, Identity Theft Resource Center has a wonderful website. It's at idtheftcenter.org, and they have a number of great fact sheets, even information on data breach laws. And one of their fact sheets is your info exposed, what you need to know about data breaches. So I encourage you to look at this site because there's a, just a volumes of information on scams and how to protect yourself and you know, this is one area where that has happened um we have to protect ourselves from angry advertisers if we don't, if we don't take a break but we'll be back after these messages you're listening to cyber law and business report only on cranberry.fm stay tuned for more of the cyber law and business report after this brief recess for our sponsors is your website hacked is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E digital.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Content for your ears and everything in between. Cranberry.fm. The best gavel to gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Here is Bennett Kelly. And we're back and we're talking to Eva Velasquez on the identity theft. 
And last week we had Scott Zucker, the uh, sports editor for the Daytona Beach um, Journal. And one of the things we were talking about was sports and social media. And the big buzz that week was about the naming contest for San Diego's soccer team, where the clear winner was Footy McFootface. And the uh, this. The, the owners of the team have announced that uh, they appreciate the feedback, um, but no, they will not be naming the team Footy McFootface, but they are selling T-shirts with a Footy McFootface logo that goes to proceeds go to charity. Um, the U.S. Women's National Death Soccer Team, the first goal, and Yala SD. So um, check it out, and uh, we'll have a link on our Twitter feed. But so... <laughs> Now, one thing we were talking about, if you if you are a victim of a data breach or identity theft, there is a, a you know, your site has a lot of great resources, but the FTC recently launched a, a site for reporting uh, identity theft occurrences. Yes. Yes, they have. And it is very important. We, we encourage people to use the FTC site. Our processes mirror each other. We have a partnership with them, and they do refer calls to us. Uh, depending on the attributes of the, the caller. Um, you can get your FTC affidavit by visiting their site and telling them their story, your story. So at the same time that you are reporting it to them and they can use that information, you're also getting a tool back. And that FTC affidavit can sometimes take the place of a police report in more uh, simple identity theft cases. So you may not have to go get that police report if you have the FTC affidavit. That's great to know. And it, at the site, I'll take a look at the site. It looks great. But also, you know, again, you, your website is at um, Identity Theft Resource Center. And definitely check that out because there's just a volumes of information there. But one thing you also cover are, are scams that are going on. Are there any that are particularly um, spiking or hot at the moment that you want to draw attention to? Well, right now, uh, telephone scams are, well, they're, they're always high. Um, it's the IRS scams because tis the season. So a lot of folks are getting calls from people reporting to be uh, from the IRS, and there is some issue. You either owe back taxes or you have to pay this money right away. And it, what it does when these, when these scammers get you on the phone uh, they create such a, such a sense of urgency for you that it actually engages the primitive flight or fart, uh, flight or fight <laughs> part of your brain. Sorry about that. Um, and it's called the amygdala for you brain researchers out there. I'm sure that um, happens with seniors. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes us. Uh, it, it disengages the logical part of our brain and makes us just want to resolve the issue. And that is how they actually get people to do things like think they're paying their tax bill in iTunes gift cards. And it works. So we're definitely seeing that one on the rise. But there are a lot of scams now that aren't trying to get you to part with your money over the phone. They're trying to get your information. They're calling to, can you verify your social security number or your account number or whatever that is. And so we just tell people, if someone calls you, you need to verify who's on the other end of the phone. If they say they're they're from your bank, it's okay for you to say, hey, I'm calling you back. And you hang up the phone and you go find the phone number for your bank and you call them directly to verify that they're trying to get in touch with you. And I imagine phishing scams are, are a big problem. Right now, the biggest phishing scam that we're seeing is the CEO spear phishing. And that's where uh, the thieves are targeting um, executive and HR executive level folks in uh, small to medium businesses and requesting W-2 information be sent over email. And it's working. We've seen a wow. huge spike in those. And it's, it has a devastating effect on the employees because that is everything you need to commit identity theft. Now, um, we only have about 10 minutes left. One thing I wanted to highlight is you know, our show is based in, in Santa Monica. We do a lot of focus on what the growth of tech here in Silicon Beach. And we do talk to a lot of people in Silicon Valley. But you're, you're based in San Diego. And, and San Diego actually has a very lively and burgeoning um, tech scene as well. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. We are. We have CyberHive here. We have Securing Our E-City here. 
Um, one of the things I'm really proud about San Diego for is taking a lead a number of years ago on wanting to make security and privacy first. Um, we also have the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse, another national um, consumer organization located here in San Diego. So there's a real culture of privacy by design, security first, making this part of how our city operates and how we protect the people that live here. And I would love to see that scale nationally because it's, I think it helps to get our message out there. Uh, sometimes I, I hear from folks who are like, is it really that bad? Are you just paranoid and fear-mongering? But I don't get as much of that in the San Diego community because there's just a lot of dialogue around, um, you know, don't use public Wi-Fi unless you're using a VPN. And a lot of people know what that means here in San Diego because right. there's so much push for that communication. And for those who are unfamiliar with VPN, why don't you tell them what that is? Uh, VPN is a virtual private network, and I think particularly right now with the, the passage of some recent, uh, well, the, it was a rollback. The repeal of the, yeah, the FCC regulation. privacy regulation, yes. Um, one of the ways that you can keep your browser history um, shielded is by using a VPN. Oh. If, you, if you think about your traffic from your device out there into the, you know, internet, into the ethers, and, and think about the information traveling through a clear plastic tube that anyone can see if they have the tools and the time, a VPN puts a shield around that tube and makes the information as it's going back and forth, it's now private. And a lot of people, well, I remember when I, when I went to China on business and people said you got to use a VPN for a couple of reasons. One, to protect your own information. But two, if you're going to want to access certain websites, that's how you get around the, the, the government censors. You do a, use a VPN and then you can get, you can get Facebook where it otherwise might be blocked. Gotcha. Yep, that is, that is a great tip as well for anybody traveling. Anybody in an airport, using, using public Wi-Fi is like swimming in a public pool. And a VPN, you can think of that as your um, your wetsuit. You're protecting yourself. So don't swim naked. <laughs> There's the quote for today. But um, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. But okay. I, <laughs> So uh, how did you get into this to begin with? Well, my time, I spent 21 years at the San Diego District Attorney's Office with the last 11 of those years investigating white-collar crime. And I definitely had that sense of justice of wanting to get the bad guy. So I did do some identity theft cases, but I did a variety of different types of economic crimes investigations. And during my tenure there, I would refer victims of identity theft and other types of um, scams and fraud to the Identity Theft Resource Center for uh, tips on, on how to minimize their risk in other areas and, and just to get that um, that voice on the other end of the phone saying it's going to be okay because that really wasn't my role at the time at the DA's office. Uh, I then went over to the Better Business Bureau for about five years and, and did a lot with uh, consumer education and educating people on how to stay safe from scams. And during both of those roles, I referred people over here to the ITRC. So when this opportunity became available, it just felt like the perfect place for me um, because we really are mission-driven and um, I, we want to stop the trauma that occurs with this crime. And it's affecting so many people that it's absolutely necessary that folks feel like they have a place to turn. And especially people that don't have the disposable income to hire someone to do this for them. That's important. That is the key part, you know. Because and so if you can afford to have someone do a forensic investigation and and track what happened, that's great. But you know, to, to understand what happened and what you should do, you guys are a great resource. And um, do you have newsletters or anything people can sign up for? We have tons of information out there. We we have an app on both the Google Play Store and on the Apple Store. We have a, a quarterly newsletter. We also have a weekly blast that we call the TMI for too much information because we feel like that is really the crux of all of this. There's just too much information about us floating around out there. So you can sign up and stay in touch with us. And we're also active on Twitter, and we put all this information out on a daily basis. 
And I, I noticed your Facebook page. Um, you have a lot of valuable information, but um, you also have lots of dog photos saying, when is it Friday or when is the weekend? Uh, <laughs> are, you, are you a dog lover? We are, and we're a dog-friendly office. You know, it's a stressful environment here because these, the, the folks on the phones are dealing with people who are crying. Um, they're just, they're freaking out. And so they're absorbing a lot of that stress every day. So having the ITRC dog here to walk by and let people give her a pet, um, she just helps them. She's, she's their lifeline that says, hey, it's going to be okay. Well, that sounds like a fun place. How many employees do you have? There are 14 of us. And wow. most of us are here, but we have some folks across the country. And uh, are you going to be speaking anywhere anytime soon that you want to plug so people can um, find you? I will be at the Federal Trade Commission is doing a one-day event at um, at their headquarters on May 24th, and I will be there. That is open to the public. Now, I know that's in D.C., but if um, anybody, any New local Jersey folks Avenue? are going to be there, um, I, I don't have the address in front oh, of me. Oh, it's, it's New Jersey Avenue. It's just right, right down the street from Union Station and across the street from Georgetown Law School. Um, as spoken as a Georgetown alum. <laughs> and, there you um, go. And any other any other events you want to bring up? Well, we do community presentations, and we do them in Southern California. So, if there are any listeners that have a group of you know twenty five or more, whether it's their office, maybe it's an association that they work with, that would like to have us come out and do um, education on a variety of topics, uh, identity theft. Um, you know, staying secure online, all of the things that are involved, they can reach out to us via our website and schedule that presentation, and we'd be happy to come out. And if people want to follow you on the web or Twitter, what is what is the handle they should go to for Twitter? Um, ITRCSD. And then I also have my own Twitter account, which is ITRCCEO. And your and website? our Facebook page. And, and your, it's idtheftcenter.org is where to find you. And one last question. Are you going to get a Footy McFootface t-shirt? I may have to because I'm a big fan of uh, that language. I always call myself Pesty McPesterson when I'm out <laughs> fundraising in the community. They, they laugh at me and I'm like, come on, help me support my mission. I'm, I'm going to be Pesty McPesterson here. So it's kind of in keeping with my whole shtick. I think that I would work. And, and it's you know, obviously going to your local community and promoting a good cause. Um, well, I definitely want to thank you. It's been a pleasure having you. And um, so uh, everyone, check this organization out. It is a valuable resource in protecting yourself from identity theft. So again, that's idtheftcenter.org. And thanks again. Next week, we'll be talking here. Um, we'll have another edition of Cyber Law and Business Report. And we'll be talking about the Supreme Court case involving Yelp and um, defamation. We'll be here right this week. So thank you again, Eva. We'll be back next week. Have a great week. Opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas Podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience by listening to the Capital Ideas Podcast today.